Hello and welcome to the Proper Video Marketing Podcast. I'm your host Amir and this show is produced as ever by Apricot. So today we were going to be finishing off our series on our four pillars of video marketing, which are strategy, empathy and storytelling, persuasion, and today's episode was going to be on our fourth pillar, analytics. However, we're going to be taking a bit of a detour because in this episode we have a very special guest with us. He's a video strategist with Wistia. And over the years, his seminars, talks, and content has taught me more about video marketing than literally anyone else on the planet. So I know for sure that you're going to learn a lot from him today. His name is Phil Nottingham, and I'm thrilled to have him with us today. Phil, welcome. Thank you very much, Amir. Pleasure to be here. So just jumping into it, a theme that I've um, kind of noticed throughout your content over the years has been video as a means to genuinely growing a brand. And I say genuinely because you talk about elements uh, such as strategy, meaningful analytics, and really understanding ROI. But what are you seeing now that isn't working for brands in terms of their growth? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think um, sort of, as you kind of mentioned over the past few years, I've been kind of working across video in, in a bunch of different areas. And one thing I noticed was particularly businesses who are focused on using video for brand building. And that tends to be initially larger businesses, but increasingly some smaller ones too are very focused on a kind of traditional model that is really just kind of TV applied to the modern world, where they're basically trying to get as many videos in front of as many people as possible and hope that through that reach that we can increase awareness um, and then hope that that awareness itself will somehow translate into brand preference. And one thing I've noticed while kind of working with, with some of these big agencies and big brands is that this model is kind of very flawed and doesn't necessarily work very well anymore. And the problem is we're, we're basically trying to build love at first sight. You know, you're just basically creating a video that you hope people, when they watch it, are going to suddenly go, that's really great. We love it. We love the brand and feel that you're building up a connection. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of ties back to this touch points idea that goes back to you know, this very sort of crude notion that if you uh, show somebody something seven times, they'll remember it. Um, right. We've basically structured the entire way we buy and sell ads on this you know, hundred-year-old principle, um, and I think this is mostly because advertising companies don't really want to innovate or change anything, and <laughs> Google and Facebook are quite happy to sell things in that format as well. So mm-hmm. um, we're just in a slightly strange mode where I think most of brand building ends up being centered around advertorial video, and that advertorial video is sort of done in a way that irritates most people. Um, is very very short interactions and mm-hmm. is you know, basically just scattergunning a huge amount of uh, interactions that usually people don't engage with. And mm-hmm. uh, even when you're doing very, very targeted ads, I mean, how many of us sit back and actually stop and watch YouTube ads? Like even even maybe perhaps me less than most, but very, very mm-hmm. rarely. And even then it will only be the ones that I kind of really, really, really like and stand out. Um, and that's a very, very difficult thing for us to sort of use as the yardstick for how we should be building brands. Like if, if, if the entry point is basically creating something as good as Nike, no one's going to get there. Mm. Um, so while video advertising as structured, I think can be very useful for direct response and you know, maybe getting sort of remarketing, retargeting and sending people um, videos in that way, that the very notion of using advertising as the main way to kind of build up that brand awareness and brand affinity, I think is is foundationally flawed. And, uh, and so for the last sort of year or so, I've been thinking a lot about this and, and really trying to come up with what the answer is to, to fix it. And and what uh, what have you landed at? What's your answer to this problem then? 
So the the answer, I think, is really um, something that I'm just observing a trend that companies are going towards. And, mm. and it's mostly been towards, uh, I think, a few factors. Firstly, longer form content. And that is a mixture between video and podcast like we're doing right now. Yeah, and right. I think about what's the kind of what's the purpose of a podcast like this? Well, it's to you know, educate and entertain your audience. And through that, they're going to build that um, feeling of affinity with with Amir and with Apricot and with the, everything that you're doing. And that itself is going to kind of build your brand, make get more people talking about you and, and increase all the stuff that we really hope to do often with ads. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it's longer form content. I think the other thing is also like not going directly after customers. So one thing that often happens with yeah, the kind of big brand advertising is that we'll we'll pick our demographics and we'll say we want to go or psychographics. We'll say we want to go after you know, so, you know women aged forty to fifty in Europe who have yeah shown high levels of extroversion or something like that. And yeah. you can do that, but the problem is is like those people don't necessarily talk to one another. And increasingly, our brands are built through conversation as much as direct experience. So, mm-hmm. like an example of this, I'm in Boston at the moment, and if I want to go and get a lobster roll in Boston. Am I gonna am I gonna Google it? Am I gonna go list timeouts links of the best lobster rolls in Boston? No, I'm gonna go and, you know, send a WhatsApp group message or a Slack message to a bunch of people who live here whose opinions I vaguely trust. And right. they'll probably give me some good advice. Or if I want to buy a mattress, I'll probably ask friends similar age as me, maybe another one who's got a back problem and we'll, you know, sort of discuss with them. I sure. think the fact that we have these private networks now connected to us all the time means that like all of the conversations about products and services and everything are happening in communities and private communities rather than public ones, Mm. private ones that you really can't advertise on. So you need to kind of build a brand based on this like community centric word of mouth. And I call that kind of like targeting a subculture. Mm -hmm. So I think what you need to do is basically build long form content that really appeals to a very niche audience. And if you can do that, then you're going to start to build up that conversation about you that then starts to drive that word of mouth that then essentially actually builds a brand. And like, there's some interesting examples of this happening. So one company I've been doing work with is MailChimp, and they've basically moved all of their budget to shows, to building longer form video on their website. And they've set up this thing called MailChimp Studios. We've just done this at Wistia. We've got Wistia Studios now as our like, kind of content production arm and we're really running it just like a proper in-house like studio with a producer and we're making things and thinking of it like tv so i think the answer is essentially instead of advertising on tv the way that companies have in various forms the last hundred years we are now just actually making our own tv and that's where the future of of brand building is going to be wow that's that's fascinating so um a term that you've mentioned a couple of times just since we've been talking is brand affinity. Mm. Could you just um, talk a little bit about what, th- what that is and why that's important? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so brand affinity is, you know, essentially how many people have feel a personal connection with you. And I talk about this distinct from brand awareness, which is, you know, how many people have really heard of you. And while it used to be the case that if somebody had heard of you, it was, they liked you and vice versa. And the two are very connected. Increasingly, that's not really the case. There's lots and lots of companies that I've heard of that I have no interest in uh, <laughs> buying from. And perhaps I actually have had a negative experience and therefore I'm you know, feeling negatively disposed towards them. And vice versa, there's lots of companies that I really feel personal connection to that most people have never heard of and that kind of thing. So I think really 
what we often try to achieve through brand awareness is the starting points of, of brand affinity. And it's not the brand awareness is, is of no value, but I think it's not as important in the modern world as as that affinity. And brand affinity is a concept that's been around for, for a long time and people have been talking about it, but mostly in relation to kind of retention and and uh, you know customer loyalty. So sure. that's kind of where it's been the years. Like, oh, I feel I'll go back to the, the supermarket and buy this particular detergent because I feel a loyalty towards Ariel over Persil or whatever. And you know, there's a, a lot of factors that go into that that's not least of all like the product experience itself. So everyone tries to increase brand affinity usually just through like customer like purchasing vouchers and, and mm-hmm. offers and things like that, which is kind of fairly crude. But in the modern world, like, you know, our brand, our perception of a company and a brand is not just to do with the, our experience of the product, but to do with the experience of every interaction we have with that company in various different forms across support, sales, marketing, everything. So the world we're in now, you can essentially market to increase brand affinity. And that is, I think, the, the most important thing that uh, the new world of brand marketing is going to be about. It's about less about kind of awareness in order to increase affinity. It's like go directly for affinity with a wide audience who are then going to influence your your potential customers themselves. Right. So so rather than uh, a brand looking at building a brand or building brand awareness, both of which are pretty ambiguous terms, mm. what you're saying is purposefully go out and build brand affinity. Yeah, exactly. Instead of just trying to get your customers uh, to have heard of you, potential customers have heard of you, go out and get like a smaller subset of audiences to really, really care about you and what you're doing. And that that affinity that people will have with your brand, even if they're not directly your customers, will trickle out and they will influence people in a wider sphere. And that will lead to more people having a very positive uh, feeling about you that will eventually translate to customers. Of course, it's slightly hard to measure because we you know, kind of live in a post-funnel measurement world and uh, <laughs> you really can't, cookies and everything mean you just can't track things the way you used to. But um, yeah, that this sort of connection, that you, if you build that real meaningful connection with a few people, it's going to really translate into sales down the road. There's a, there's a company that um, I often say is, I think, a great example of having done this well, uh, which is called Anderton's.co.uk and they're based in Guildford. Yeah. And this is a guitar shop, basically. It's just a family-run guitar shop. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've basically won the award for like the best musical retailer in the world a few times now because they've wow. made these, they've just invested in these like crazy silly video series where a couple of guitar nerds get together and play with pedals and do like blindfold tests. Can you test which guitar this is and that kind of stuff? Huh. And if you are a guitar nerd or you are, you know, someone who's really into that, you, this content's just, you know, it's like Game of Thrones. It's great. It's, you just want to watch it all the time. Um, and, it, you know, they're, they're probably making it for people who are not necessarily going to be their customers, but, it is people who maybe don't have money to buy musical equipment, but say when my, you know, uncle or something asked me, oh, if I was thinking again, a new guitar, do you have any recommendations? I'll, I'll, I'll have the, the recommendation for him to go to that shop and look there because I've built that affinity through watching some of that videos. Yeah, so it's that kind of thing, really. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's kind of the way, way in which this, this plays out. So you said something that really fascinated me then. You said that making people that watch that content may not be their their customers and mm. i think that that concept would probably blow the minds of a lot of uh, kind of marketing and brand professionals mm. so can you just talk a little bit about the logic behind why we'd be broadening the audience sort of beyond people that might buy from us yeah it's, it's because 
like basically you can't go direct to consumer in a meaningful way. So it comes back to the thing about what I said about how how we're making purchasing decisions. It's less about like, like I often think about this, if I'm going to go and buy a new software, what I don't do is follow the funnel that the B2B marketing world has laid out for me. What I will not do is go and search for product solutions, click a PPC ad, download an ebook, get into a sales funnel. Yeah, this doesn't work like that. You know, there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes. I'm having a conversation with uh, someone else who uses different kind of software. I'm yeah, having it's all happening in private. And we've hit this world where actually most communication is now happening on private networks. So we're ever more connected, but we're also ever more private. And yet the marketing world is kind of obsessed with this this funnel measurement aspect where we think that we can directly track and speak to everyone and we can't we've completely lost control of the funnel and of all kind of consumer conversations and we have no idea what conversations are happening and we have no way of injecting ourselves into them so once you kind of accept that and embrace that this is the future you're in you start to think well okay how do we actually how do you actually market properly? And the answer is, well, you have to basically get into the conversations that are happening by marketing to the people who are having the conversations. And the people who are having the conversations are all coalescing around communities and subcultures, right? It's it's right. groups of um, people who are potentially not customers, but nevertheless have heard of you and, and all that kind of thing. And and it's like, okay, you need to, you like you're, basically you recognize that your customer base and not a community that are talking to each other all the time. So you need to find the communities that are talking and basically market to them directly, um, which means that in some cases it's going to be more aligned with the customer than it is in others. And sometimes it's going to be just a, a group that are very influential for the potential customers that you're going after. And you just have to basically understand who those you know, communities and interest groups are. Um, and that takes a bit of research, it takes understanding your customers, what things they care about, what their other worlds are, um, and and then start to create something that's perhaps orthogonally related to your product rather than just directly making something that tells consumers that your product is great and shoving it in front of them as many times as you can. Okay, so can you just talk us through the steps then for brand affinity marketing? Yeah, sure. So um, I think there's basically four key steps. The first is targeting a community or subculture which I've talked about briefly and I'll go through again. Um, the second is creating binge-worthy content. So wanting people to actually sit there and watch loads of stuff in quick succession like we would do Stranger Things on Netflix. The third is marketing like a media company. And the fourth is to uh, measure time spent in subscriptions. So I'll go through this in, in short order. So basically the targeting of uh, a subculture community, you need to find... Uh, that group, that particular interest group is going to really appeal to the people who influence your customers. So let's take an example of uh, plumbers. Let's say that we're going to create a, uh, we're, we're a plumbing supply shop, nice, boring sort of B2B industry. Um, well, maybe we'll do some research and we'll think, what you know, what is it that plumbers are into? Well, they're probably into you know, DIY, uh, they're into uh, you know, manufacturing, engineering, um, but perhaps also we discover through our research that um, plumbers are really into cars. Mm -hmm. So there's maybe an idea that can form here, a creative strategy around the idea of doing like pimp my ride for plumbing vans. And you can imagine like that that's actually quite a fun and silly idea that would really appeal to a group of people who are sure. kind of into you know, that wider world of, of tradesmen and craftsmen. Um, and you can see how that would appeal to the kind of people that plumbers speak to day to day because plumbers are, you know, every plumber knows a carpenter friend, knows an electrician or that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, so yeah, we, we would then create content for them. The idea is basically, you know, can we create something that people are going to actively want to spend time with on a regular basis 
such that they build a relationship and a personal connection to our business. This is not about just a one-off kind of view of video on YouTube. This is about people basically thinking of our creations like a TV show that they want to watch mm -hmm. regularly. So if we can get to that point, we are then at the question of distribution. And the important thing with distribution is, I think, to think of ourselves much more like Netflix than YouTube. So instead of okay. creating something that we're then just going to try and distribute to people where they are, we're going to eschew the idea of uh, content distribution and actually try and do audience acquisition because we want people to be coming back regularly, to be engaging with us in a far more in-depth manner than just a sort of quick vague interaction on social media so this means basically can we build our own netflix like can we have our own platform that allows people to you know, watch the next video that they can subscribe they can kind of bookmark where they've got to and really think of what we're offering like tv so the vision there is to yeah build your own like platform on netflix and there's mm -hmm. tools available now to do this um and then basically use social media to drive people to that to that platform exactly the way that amazon prime do netflix do hulu does hbo does you know you're really thinking for yourselves like a tv tv producer and then use social media for things like uh, trailers clips um, all these things that are really going to market the tv as if it were a product itself drive people from those platforms to the more uh, in-depth um, engaging platform where they can watch your content without ads without distractions and they can kind of become part of your ecosystem once you've done that, you then want to actually measure the return. And the way to think about brand affinity marketing, as opposed to kind of brand awareness, is it's far less about reach and impressions and far more about the actual genuine engagement. So the, the core KPIs are basically the time spent, the time watched of your content, and the number of people perhaps subscribing to it as well. Um, and the number of people who are kind of giving you their email or whatever so that they can kind of come back and keep, mm -hmm. keep engaging. Mm -hmm. And we want to basically think about this as a means to build a fan base, you know, that real group of people who are regularly going back who are then gonna start talking to you um, or talking to their wider network about your product and your service such that you can build that word of mouth, that recommendation engine with, with a bunch of brand advocates. Okay, so there's a lot there for, for the listeners to, to go on. Some really great ideas and concepts for people to, 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 to embrace and to try out as well. People listening to this, they might be worried or not very confident in their own kind of video production skills. What might you say to people that, that have those kind of reservations before they kind of leap into something like this? you know you can really start very very small and i would advise people to start thinking about what's the the smallest possible execution they can do and it might be something like this like a, a podcast or you know just a kind of video recording with a webcam and a little microphone like that so there's lots of ways in which you can do it that are it can be very low investment and just think about something that you can do with the equipment that you have available um because the thing that's going to make the difference is really the quality of the creative strategy rather than the actual you know, high budget nature of the execution so it's all about um really spending time to to think about how you can do something simply that's very entertaining um and just start small it's going to take you a while to actually come up with something that's really really good mm -hmm. but through that process of experimentation you'll you'll get better and you'll learn and you'll be able to improve and and you know it takes a while to get started but once you've got going you'll be off to the races Sure. Okay. So, and as you said, the fundamental pillar of that is really understanding your audience and that, that subculture. So you're really creating content exactly. that's going to engage with them. Um, so exactly. Just, yeah. It, it's, it, it's unquestionably, that's the thing that makes a difference. Yeah. So just to, I know you said about people measuring success, there's um, a consensus that I've found over the years. People will um, measure success of videos by either impressions that it's made or the number of views. 
Um, so in terms of creating that brand affinity, why are the metrics that you mentioned so important? Well, it's that basically we're, what we're trying to do is, you know, measure the depth of engagement that people have with us rather than just the number of people that we vaguely touch. So it's about really having a very clear um, metric that relates to the depth of engagement rather than just the, the number of impressions. So depth is really measured by the time spent and the the actual kind of assets that people are giving us that the commitment that they're making to us so you know that that might be subscribers that might be downloads or something like that but it's yeah it's really about the time spent because that's okay. how relationships are formed absolutely uh, we spend time with each other absolutely <laughs> absolutely can you talk a bit about how wistia might be able to help brands with their own uh, brand affinity marketing strategies yeah sure i mean we've written a bunch of a whole bunch of content that, that allows you to essentially you know, learn how to do this from scratch and we're doing a lot to help reduce the barrier to entry with the production we have a little tool called soapbox that allows you to create quick videos as well just using a webcam and a computer um and also the, our main product is basically offering that netflix view business service so it you know, allows you to build that kind of streaming platform uh, that just sits on your website using an embed code and you can then use that to uh, you know, grow your audience on your website and capture subscribers, integrate everything with your CRM and that kind of thing. So, so Wistia offers that central platform um, that allows you to, to kind of build the fan base that are then going to drive your, your brand advocacy, essentially. Sure. Okay. Um, but what if um, someone wanted to use uh, YouTube to host their show, say, for example, if they've made a few episodes, they could um, upload it mm. to the YouTube channel and then take the embed code and put it on their website. So it's still on their environment. What are the pros and cons of someone doing that? Yeah, the, I mean, the pros are that it's, you know, quick and cheap and easy to do. I mean, free, you know, you can just use YouTube and and it's a good platform for that and it, and it has reach and everything. The, the cons are really that people are not going to stick around. So the you got to think about what YouTube's built for and it's really built to, to serve as many ads as possible. So what you'll find is that, you know, if somebody watches, comes to your videos on YouTube, only about you know, a small section of the page is actually the video and everything else is distractions for them to go and click and watch other stuff. Mm. So what you tend to find is the average time watched on YouTube is quite low because people are just distracted a lot and they're clicking through new videos and they're moving around. And that's kind of really not what you want to happen when you're trying to build this brand affinity. You're trying to really get people engaged with, with what you're saying. Um, and of course with embedded videos on your website at the end, the, there'll be that box of six videos that pop up and if you click them that takes them off your website to youtube so youtube's really not designed to help you do this which is the problem so you know you, you find you'll often find that you you then start building your house on rented land you don't have the details of all the people that subscribe to your channel on youtube you know it's just you have to pay if you want to actually like advertise or reach them. You don't have the email addresses. You don't know who they are. You can't track them. So it becomes sort of necessarily built on um, just encouraging you to have more and more impressions, more views, but really struggles to kind of build that depth of connection with your audience. Um, so yeah, what you do want to do is basically find a hybrid strategy, right? So you want to be able to use the reach that YouTube provides and kind of find a way to um, get the benefit of that without, you know, having to rely on the negative parts of YouTube, which is that it's very distracting and is designed to move people away from your content and towards other stuff. So what you want to do is basically use YouTube, I recommend for clips and trailers, like short 
segments of your overall mm -hmm. content that you mm -hmm. can then you know, use YouTube basically to advertise that wider, deeper experience that you have on your website or application. Um, and that means that you're going to get all the benefit from the reach that YouTube can provide, um, but you're then going to be able to actually drive people to a platform where you can get the value from them as well. Fantastic. Excellent. Okay, Phil, thank you so much for, for that. It's really, really interesting. And Wistia and, and Phil have produced a brand affinity uh, marketing playbook that I'll link to in the show notes. So people can have a good look through there uh, as well. Um, so just to wrap up quickly in this episode, we've covered the main issues around growing a brand in it. Digital advertising doesn't make people like your brand. And now because of the sheer noise that we're faced with online, we have to go deeper and that, is, that means to craft a more meaningful relationship with our audience and the way that we do that mirrors how we create meaningful relationships in our real life, which is spending quality time with someone on a regular basis. And that led us to the concept of brand affinity marketing. And we talked through the steps of how to create binge-worthy, long-form video content and then market that work as a media company with their shows to help us grow our audience and in doing so grow our brand. Phil, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Uh, I'm going to put links to your SlideShare and Twitter uh, as well on the show notes so people can find out more about you if they, uh, if they want to. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Wonderful. Thanks, Amir. My great pleasure.